Welcome to the Mount Zion Wesleyan Church Podcast. We hope this message encourages you, challenges you, and inspires you to step into the life God has for you. For more information about our church, visit us online at mountzionwesleyan.com. Good morning. It's good to see you. Before we get started this morning, just want to take a little bit of time to address the culture in the room. And regardless, this morning, if you come into this room celebrating, regardless if you come into this room mourning, uh, regardless if you come into this room anxious or fearful, because I don't know if you know, because I mean, there's a rumor that we are in a political season and there was just an election. So I imagine that there's not a whole lot of indifference represented in this room right now or online. But what I do want to remind you is that King Jesus was not up for re-election, that he is securely seated on the throne, that he is sovereign, that he is good, that he is for you, that he is in control. Yesterday, he did not jump from his throne saying, did you see this coming? Could you have ever guessed? He didn't do that. He is good. And may we find our peace, our security, our comfort, and our identity, not in a political affiliation, but instead as kingdom representatives, as sons and daughters, as ambassadors of the kingdom of God. May we find our identity, our comfort, and our peace securely in that place and through that identity. Amen? Amen. 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 With that said, let us bow our heads and let's go to the Lord and ask for his help this morning. Father, we thank you for your grace, for your mercy, for your love. We thank you for your presence. Father, we pray a big audacious prayer this day. And it is that you will give us ears to hear and eyes to see and the courage to believe that your spirit can change us. That a relationship can do what a religion never can do. And that is change a heart. So Father, we are believing that we will leave this place different than how we came into this place. We pray in your name. Amen. A few years ago, I had the opportunity to travel to Europe, and there, one of my favorite things to do, I mean, one of the highlights of the trip was that we got to go and we got to tour these different cathedrals. And my favorite one to tour was St. Paul's Cathedral. It is over 1,500 years old. It just, the skyline the dome, it captures you. No matter where you are in London, you can see it. It is kind of the center stage of that particular city. And when you walk in, it is just absolutely breathtaking to think that the architects could design, but the workers could actually fulfill that vision 1,500 years ago. It's astonishing. It's absolutely amazing. In fact, everyone walks around with their face looking towards the ceiling because that is where the detail oftentimes is. And it's funny because people are constantly bumping into one another. 
Now, one of the things that I have to confess, that I have to admit, is that when I first walked into this place, I was in awe. I was absolutely just astonished. But the longer that I was there, the more that this burden began to kind of manifest in my spirit. The reason, and I I admit that this is a little bit self-righteous, but as I listen to the tour guide give us all of the details about the designer, about the architect, about the architecture, about what went into sculpting and to building, I began to ask the question, isn't this supposed to be about Jesus? And then the burden kind of deepened when I recognized that this place it has, it's no longer a place of worship. It's a, it's a tourist attraction. This place has become this museum. People had stopped coming to this place to glorify God, to give him honor, to lift his name up beyond all other names. And then, as we were leaving, we were gathered as a group outside of this beautiful cathedral. And there was this girl, and her boyfriend was taking a picture of her. And she was leaning up against this monument. And she was doing that fish-faced sexy pose. You know what I mean? Like, you know, like, which I guess is normal. I don't know. But then I looked just above her head and the monument that she was leaning against was Mary holding the lifeless body of Jesus after they took him off of the cross. And I thought to myself, you you can't do that. Wait a minute. Who does that? And I went to five guys and ate lunch, which is right across the street. I mean, what a world we live in, you know? (laughs) Two cathedrals of beauty right beside each other. (laughs) And I was sitting there and I was eating and my professor must have noticed that I was a little distant, a little quiet. So he asked the question, hey, Luke, are you okay? And I began to ask and began to talk like, who does that? And it just, it's just heartbreaking. And they say, they say that America is about 10 to 20 years behind Europe and the burden, the heaviness. But then I had this aha moment. 2,000 years ago, when they brought Jesus off the cross and Mary held her son people were likewise absolutely oblivious to what was going on. While Jesus was on the cross, they were playing dice for his clothing to see who could get his garments. They were mocking him, laughing at him, completely unaware of the very presence of Christ Almighty. And then I had another aha moment. And all of the self-righteousness in this moment began to fade away. I do the same thing. I live my life proclaiming from this platform that God, he doesn't not only want to be your highest priority and the top of your priority list, 
but he actually wants to do life with you in everything you do. He wants to be a part of every conversation, everything that we say. He wants us to take him to work. He wants to be in the car with us when we're going down the highway and that idiot cuts us off in traffic. When we're at Walmart and all we want to do is pay with cash. (laughs) Jesus wants to be in that very moment. But much like this girl and much like these individuals 2,000 years ago, I am oftentimes completely oblivious to the very presence of God in my life. And oftentimes I do a terrible job of recognizing his purpose plan and promises every step I take, every word I speak, every moment of my day. And oftentimes I neglect, not intentionally, but I neglect the reality that my words and my actions have the ability to bring life or death, light or darkness, heaven or hell. Oftentimes, I live my life completely unaware of the very presence of God. But then I'll drive and I'll hear a song on K-Love or on Apple Music or Spotify, and I will remember, yeah, that's right, we're doing life together. I'll see a picture or an image or art or I'll have a conversation or somebody will share their testimony or I'll see the very presence of God manifesting itself through the working of his Holy Spirit individual and I will be reminded in that moment, oh yeah, God is here. He is present. He is among us. You see, culture is always wanting to distract us from our calling, from our purpose, from his promises and from his plan. And that is why the Sermon on the Mount is so essential to our lives right here, right now. Because Jesus is speaking and he is inviting us to invite him into our here and our our now. To always throughout the day Be conscious and conscientious of the reality that he is present and that we are representing him in word and in deed. And we hear the instruction of Christ through the Sermon on the Mount. And oftentimes we ask the question, well, well, who does that? And the answer, of course, is Jesus. Jesus does that because Jesus is God and he can do that. But I'm, I'm, I'm a broken mess. I am a smoking mess. And who does that? Not me, but Jesus does it. But Jesus is pointing out the reality. He is highlighting this truth that he is wanting to move us to a place where our answer is to the question, who does that? Jesus, yes, but so do I. And how do we know what to do? Well, we look towards Jesus. Paul tells us 
if we ever have a question about God, what God looks like, how God interacts in the broken world, how God would interact social unrest, political turmoil, a pandemic, broken relationships, all we have to do is turn our eyes to Jesus. Paul says that Jesus is the manifestation, the perfect replication of God Almighty. And that when he came to purify us through the giving of his life on the cross, that not only did he do that, but he also came to display and to set a path and a course for a better way of living life so that we can better represent God Almighty. So, Matthew chapter 5, beginning in, 38, beginning in verse 38, is one of the most difficult passages for me to live out on a daily basis. This is a passage in which when I will read it, I ask the question, well, who does that? And my response was, Jesus does that. But how do I do that? You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat to them as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Give to the one who asks you and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain to the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are you not, are you not even the tax collectors, the, the terrorists or the traitors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even the pagans or the non-believers do that? So therefore, you be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. What we have been learning over the last 12 weeks is that Jesus is far more concerned with the person that you and I are becoming versus the person that we have been, versus the things that we have done in our past. Jesus did not come to pass out more laws, more rules. We have enough of that. But Jesus ultimately is concerned with our hearts and who we are becoming. So when we read the words, you have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, but I tell you, do not resist an evil person. For if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. What we are asking ultimately 
is what do we have to do, what is required to be a good person, to live a good life, to have Jesus be honored with the way that we interact, react, and respond in our day-to-day lives. And Jesus in this moment is saying that there are two deals on the table and each and every one of us has to choose one of those deals. Either we can fulfill the law perfectly and everyone that would have heard these words this day would have understood what Jesus was saying in the Levitical law. If you broke my arm, I could break your arm but I couldn't break your arm and your leg. And if you gouged out my eye, then I could gouge out your eye, but I I couldn't cut off a limb also. So there were these rules and these laws, these expectations that had guided that society, that culture this day. But Jesus is pointing to a better way of living, which leads us to deal number two, knowing that we cannot fulfill the law perfectly We can put our faith and our trust and our hope in him and him alone. One of the reasons that I struggle with this verse so much is when it says, turn your cheek if you are slapped. If someone comes in and they they want your shirt, give them your jacket also. If they require of you to go one mile, don't stop there. Go the extra mile. One of the reasons that I most struggle with this verse It's because when I ask the question, who does that? My response, a weak person, someone who's gonna be a doormat, a victim. But Jesus is going deeper. And oftentimes, if you were like me, when we read a verse like this, we take it so far out of context. And we say, all right, Jesus, I hear what you're saying. Are you saying that if someone breaks into my house in the middle of the night and they want to harm my family, they want to steal my stuff, they want to violate my children, I'm just supposed to stand in the corner and be okay with that? Because that's what I was taught as a kid, that if someone, you're just supposed to be passive, just let them do it peacemaker. But that's not what Jesus is saying. So what Jesus is not saying is that to our police and to those individuals that are bound and take an oath to protect us, that if someone starts shooting at you, then you should not shoot back, that you should just passively say, well, here I am. In fact, Romans 13 tells us that if you are bound by oath as law enforcement, that you will be held accountable for protecting our civilians. And as civilians, Paul goes on to say, it is your responsibility and my responsibility as a citizen of this nation within these borders to submit to authority, to be good, to do what is right, Paul, speaking to Timothy, says that if you do not provide and protect for your family, you're actually worse than an unbeliever. How I interpret that verse, if you break into my home in the middle of the night, I am too old to fight you fair. 
So one of us is going home in a body bag because it is my responsibility to protect my family, to provide for them. So what Jesus is not saying is that you have to be this wussy, that you have to be this passive person who just absolutely gets ran over, never standing up for yourself, never protecting and doing what is right, that we are just doomed as Christians to be victims and to be victimized in this world. Jesus is not saying that. So what is Jesus saying? Jesus is getting at the root of our hearts. And what he is really challenging us on is he's calling us to do the heart work and the hard work of asking ourselves, what has caused us to finally come to this moment in which we are ready to go to blows? What has caused us to come to this moment in which we are ready to throw fists? And what have I contributed to that chaos? And how have my actions led to our here and now? And where have I been in error? Where has unrighteousness, where have wrongdoings been manifested through my word and through my action? Because let's face it, most of the fights, arguments, confrontations that exist in your life and in my life have very little to do with us standing up for right, what is right and what is wrong. Most of the fights that exist in my life have with me protecting what I prefer, not about a conviction, not about a core truth, not about how God has called and someone is trying to violate. So I am standing up for him and for his purposes and his kingdom. Most of the arguments and fights that exist in my life is because I don't agree with someone. Their political affiliation isn't aligning with what I deem to be right or what I deem to be good or what I deem to be God's side. Most of the arguments that exist in my life simply stated is when I don't get my way. So I make you my enemy and I will do whatever is required sometimes to protect my comfort, my principles, and my preferences. So Jesus is calling us upstream and he's asking the question, what is it, what has contributed to this moment? And how are you going to take responsibility for the way that you have contributed? Because culture will say this, what kind of person, when they are struck immediately strikes back? When they are punched, immediately punches back? What kind of person does that? An awesome person. 
strong person, not a person that's going to be a victim, a take charge kind of person. But what Jesus is really asking is what kind of person, when they are hit, when they are struck, when they are punched, their immediate or first response is not to hit back. What would it look like if your response and my response, our immediate knee-jerk reaction wasn't to strike back, but instead to seek understanding, to seek reconciliation, to pursue peace. What if we allowed the Holy Spirit to do such a work in our hearts that when we read something on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter and we didn't agree with it and it pushed the proverbial button, stepping on the toes of our preferences and our comforts, what if our immediate response back wasn't anger? What if we didn't actually type out what we were thinking, but instead paused, reflected, prayed, sought understanding? What if in that moment we did the hard work of allowing the Holy Spirit to examine our hearts and our lives and saying, why is this stirring such a reaction in you? What I have learned in my life is that oftentimes this is about that. And someone will come to you, be it a spouse or a friend or an enemy or a neighbor or a coworker and a boss, and they will just unload on you. And the whole time they are attacking, you're just trying to figure out why they're so angry. And in that moment, we have an opportunity oftentimes to strike back to knock them off their feet, to win the battle. What would it look like if we did the hard work of trying to seek peace and understanding in that moment? And instead of attacking, just asking good questions, seems like you're upset and I'm having a hard time understanding while we're in this moment. Can you help me understand? But so often in our lives, our first response, our natural response is to hit back, to strike back, to fight back. So what is the solution? It's when you realize that your identity is securely rooted in the kingdom of God. You are a son, you are a daughter of God Almighty. 
not only does he like you, he loves you. He gave his life for you. He is this day in the midst of our chaos preparing a place for you. He is not indifferent to your wants, your needs, your brokenness. God does not stand on the other side of the valley of your brokenness. He walks with you every step of the way. When we believe that we are who he says we are, it changes everything. Because when we find our identity, not in our political affiliation, not in our job, not in our relationships, when we find our identity securely in Christ, in Christ alone, then in that moment, we have nothing to prove. Because not death, nor famine, nor nakedness, nor battle, nor the enemy, nothing can separate you and I from the love of Christ Jesus. And when we find our identity in him, then we have nothing to prove. And if we have nothing to prove, then we should not ever strike back first. So what would it look like if we found our identity securely in the kingdom of God? What would it look like if our first response wasn't to strike back? A few years ago, I had the opportunity to serve beside a friend, and we talked together at a men's conference. And my friend, we'll call him Danny, he shared very openly, and he was very vulnerable in this moment and throughout this week about the struggles that his family had gone through. And he was very open about his wife who had struggled with chronic pain all of her lives, and she had began to abuse pain medication and she had become addicted to it. And the Lord had really done an amazing work in her life and now this had become her testimony and the Lord was using it in a beautiful, beautiful way. So we sat down with this guy named Jeff at lunch one day and Jeff just began to absolutely attack my friend. How dare you share her story? That's not your story. How dare you do that? And he was like, listen, we've been married for 35 years. It's our story, buddy. You know, and he just kind of just listened. And the whole time I'm thinking, good grief. How much more can he take? I mean, because he was calling his integrity into question. He was talking about his wife. It just was spiraling out of control. And then another guy from the end of the table spoke up. And he said, hey, Jeff, this really isn't about him. Is this, is this about your sister? And Jeff's response said, he said, probably. And my friend leaned in and said, tell me more about that. You see, Jeff's sister had struggled with chronic pain too. And she had become addicted to pain medication. And the hell that she had to live in and endure for so long eventually led to her choosing to take her own life. And he was just absolutely broken. And he, in that moment, he was asking the question, why did your wife survive it? 
How can a good God use this, but it's not my sister's story? And in that moment, my friend leaned across the table and took Jeff's hands and said, buddy, I love you. And more importantly than that, God loves you. And he is right here, right now in this moment. And the tears began to flow and healing, true healing began to take place in this moment. But what would have happened if my friend, when he was attacked, would immediately hit back and not sought understanding, not through the working of the Holy Spirit, been patient and quick to listen, then this guy would have walked away more angry at God than ever before, more a victim than ever before, more bitter and broken than ever before. This is what I know about us this week. There will be an opportunity that you and I will have to strike back. This week, we will have an opportunity to hit back first. We will have an opportunity to react in the flesh instead of responding in the spirit. And what would it look like if you found your identity in that moment in Christ and Christ alone and what they said and what they did did not take that away? And what would it look like in that moment if you believe the reality that you have nothing to prove? And what would it look like in that moment if you chose grace and peace and love, what would it look like for you to seek understanding, reconciliation in that moment? This week, I believe you will have an opportunity to live the with God life, to invite him to our here and now, to represent his kingdom well, so may we be known as a people of peace and love and understanding. Father God, we thank you for your grace, for your mercy, for your love. Father, we thank you for the beautiful example that you gave us for this high calling that you have called us to. And Father, we recognize that this is countercultural, but God, we want to be kingdom representatives. We want to be ambassadors of Christ. And God, we need you for that. So Father, we need your help. Give us, God, will you give us eyes to see the opportunities before us this week? Ears to hear how you would have us respond, the things that you would have us know and do. Father, would you give us the mind of Christ, of love and of truth, and the courage of heart to be faithful and obedient. We need you, we love you, and we thank you. In your name we pray, amen. Thanks for listening to the Mount Zion Wesleyan Church podcast. We hope this message has inspired you to take a next step in your walk with Jesus. For more messages or to watch our full worship gathering on demand, visit us online at mountzionwesleyan.com.